When I was a, a sophomore in college uh, about three years ago in 1991, uh, my sophomore year I transferred for one season to Navarro Junior College. I played there for the Navarro College uh, Bulldogs. Uh, I remember there at, at that uh, school we had a special teams coach who had just shown up there. He was a very young guy. He'd been a graduate assistant at the University of Southern California. He just came there and, and he was really getting his start in coaching and they gave him uh, an assistant position with the receivers, but they also put him over the special teams. And I'll never forget uh, what I learned from this guy in just that one season there. Uh, if you'll take your hands, I'm going to try to explain it to you. If you'll take your hands and do this right here, um, this sign right here. We came in and he said, we're, we're going to make this sign. And he says, guys, if you'll look, that is a B and that is a D. On your two hands, you have a B and you have a D. And, and then he went to explain that. He said, that represents... A burning desire. A burning desire. And he went on to explain the difference he believes, and I'll agree with him, uh, in life many times is found in those people that have a burning desire and those that don't have a burning desire. And he said it, it doesn't matter just in football, but really in all areas of life, uh, you're able to put in more effort with a burning desire. You're able to endure more with a burning desire. And he says, you watch people as they go through the course of life, and whether it's in their family life or in their business life, uh, whatever it is, a person that has a burning, consuming desire to do something, uh, you'll see those folks rise to the top. You'll see those folks uh, find results in their life. Well, uh, you know, most of you know, uh, special teams, uh, most of the time, especially at that level, are kind of just an afterthought. And, well, we've got all of our offense and defensive end, and, and, and so we've got our special teams. It's just kind of an afterthought. We really don't want to mess up too bad, but we really don't expect a difference on our special team. Well, uh, this coach came in, and he was a young guy, and he said, you know what, we're going to be known for our special teams. We're going to dominate on the special teams. We're going to score points. Uh, we're going to assault people on special teams. We're going we're gonna to make people wish they never got off their bus. Uh, because of what we're doing on special teams. And he, he hopped it up and he talked about we're going to fly, we're going to run, we're going to collide with people. And I remember he used to say a thousand times, you got to glide if you're going to collide. And you got to glide if you're going to collide. You know what, you come out here, we're going to go down there and we're going to wreak havoc on some folks. And he said, it's going to be the dangest thing you've ever seen. People are going to go home from these games and they're going to talk about the special teams play. They're going to talk about what happens on special teams. And I remember another thing he used to say, we're going to go down the field and our goal is to hit somebody so hard in the front that we come out the back. That's our goal. And he, you come in there and you put, you, now they got different rules, but you put the top of your Rydell, you put those double, double Ds there on somebody and your goal is to come out the back of somebody. And it all comes down to having a burning desire. I buy into that. That's an awesome thing. and our, our, our guys bought into that. That's an awesome thing. It all comes down to having a burning desire. And then he, he made it very specific and he said, you know what? It's having a burning desire for this goal. We're going to score points. We're going to knock people's heads off. We're going we're to come down the field. And it goes even more specific. We're going to have a burning desire on this play. On this play. And so here's what it looks like. We come on the field I was on the kickoff and the kickoff return team. And before we could go on the field, those 11 players would assemble and you would have to hold up your B and your D before you went on the field. And he said this, what you're saying by doing that is that you're committed. And he said, if you're tired, 
Don't come out here. It's no shame in that. Maybe you've, maybe you've run and you're on offense or defense. If you're tired, just tell somebody else and they'll switch out. If you're hurt and you're being hurt is going to hinder your performance on special teams, there's no shame in that. People get hurt. Tell somebody else and switch out. He says, don't step in here for this play without a burning desire. When you hold up that burning desire, you're letting people know where you stand as we come on the field. I remember coming on the field and, and walking out with 11 guys, and we would walk out with our B and our D. And I remember guys on another team laughing at goofy guys holding up this sign. I don't think they knew what we were doing. And I used to just laugh and say, you don't even know. You don't even know. Here's a question. That was an awesome thing. Here's a question. As Christians, where is our burning desire? That's a pretty good question. I'm talking especially for us as men. As Christians, where is our burning desire? Now, we're going to look at some verses, and we're, we're continuing. We're moving through 1 Peter, and we've been going verse by verse through the letter of 1 Peter. We're going to continue doing that. We're in the third chapter. Today, we come to a set of verses that really are talking about enduring for the cause, talking about persevering for the cause, really giving us a perspective in how we will endure, how we will persevere in the cause. As I do that today, I, we're going to come and we're going to look at that set of verses next week. But I want to just stop on the very first verse in this section. I want to look at one verse and I want to pull a couple things out of this verse. Again, we're going to look at the whole entire block of verses. How do we have this perspective and how to endure as, as a follower of Jesus Christ? But today I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, one verse, verse 13. Again, the lead off verse to this section. 1 Peter chapter 3 Verse 13. And listen, it says this. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? That's his, that's his question he leads off the section of verses with. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Now, really, it's a rhetorical question here. Um, Peter really is a, is a, is a guy that's, that's been on the wild side anyway. Uh, look at the life of Peter. Remember, he's the guy that cut off the guy's ear. Uh, they come to arrest Christ, and he pulls out his sword and, and cuts off his ear. He's, he's very bold. He's very quick-tempered. He's quick to act. So he's been a, kind of a wild guy anyway. But now in this context, he says, Who is there that can harm you? Who is there to harm you? Now, understand, that is really a pretty crazy question. That is really a, a very bold question. And you have to see the context that he asks it in. They are being persecuted intensely for following Jesus Christ. This isn't make-believe anymore. They're, they're being persecuted. They're being attacked. They are being beaten. Peter was beaten for following Jesus Christ. They're being thrown into jail. Their property rights taken away from them because they follow Jesus Christ. Some of them are being killed. Peter's going to be killed for his decision to follow Jesus Christ. He's been beaten. He's been persecuted. He's writing letters to folks that are being persecuted. Some of them have been killed. And, and then there he says this, who can hurt us? Pretty, pretty crazy question. Now, understand, they're not somewhere in the choir loft. They're on the front lines. They're in the battle. And there he says, who is there to harm you? Now, I'll just tell you, the logical response is, who is there not to harm you? Have you seen what they're doing? Have you seen the opposition to us? Who is there not to harm us? But standing in the face of that, with the opposition coming in, Peter stands and says, who is there to harm you? Very crazy question. Now, next week, 
We're going to see the answer to that, how we persevere in that situation, how we persevere in suffering. But I want us to see two things just from this first verse. Uh, two things that when I read it just stood out to me. And so I want to show you these two things. Let me, let me read the verse again. Verse 13. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Now the first thing I want you to see is this. He knows the mission. He knows the mission. You see, it's hard to, to be resolved if you do not know the mission. He knows the mission. It says here, zealous for what is good. If you're proven zealous for what is good. See the phrase there, what is good. Now I want to I clear something up here. He's not talking about doing good things. He's not talking about being good. And he's not talking about doing good. Now I'll just tell you, as Christians today, especially as men... We've gotten the lie into our head that following Jesus is about being good. And I'm so much better than I used to be. And I've quit cussing and I've quit this. And I, I no longer go to these places. And, and being a Christian is about being good. Or, or, or we think sometimes it's about doing good things. I'm a Christian and look what I did. And, and look what we're doing as a church. And we're doing good things. I'm generous. We run the food kitchen and we, we go out and we feed the poor people. We, we hand out sandwiches. Now I want to tell you, those are good things and biblically we're supposed to do those things. But do not be confused. That's not the mission that he's talking about here. Understand, people do not hate you. People do not kill you for doing good. In fact, I'll just tell you this. If you'll do good and you'll just leave it at that, if you're content with just doing good, Satan will help you do it. He'll drive the food wagon on the place to the, the way where you're going. If you know what, we're going to do good and we're going to be good and we're not going to try to do these things anymore. We're going to try to be generous. You know what, he's fine with you being and doing good. But that's not what Peter's talking about here. That's, that's not the good that Peter's persecuted for. That's not the good that Peter's going to be crucified for. No, the good is this, and listen very carefully. The mission is this. It's found in chapter 2, verse 9. He puts it in the same letter. That we would proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. He makes it very clear. This is why we're persecuted. This is why we exist. This is why he's called us. This is why he's enabled us that we would proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. Listen to me. The mission is to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. That is our mission as Christian men. That is our mission as Christians, is to tell people the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That is our mission as Christians. Honestly, most of us would be content to just try to do good and just try to be good. I'll just tell you very honestly, it's easy to try to do good things. It's easy to, to try to look like the good things that the culture would expect. But I want to tell you, the mission is to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, you know what, the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. If lives are going to change, if eternities are changing, if homes are changing, it's not going to be because you gave them a sandwich. It's going to be because you told them the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. As Christians, that's our purpose. As Christians, that's my purpose. That's what we exist for as Christians. 
And if we don't have the mission laid out, it's hard to be on the mission. That is our mission as followers of Jesus Christ. I don't know, this is just in my mind, but can you imagine one day in heaven, you've been redeemed, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He saved you not of any work that you've done, but because of His righteousness, you're there, and you're in heaven, and you run into Peter. Can you imagine running there into to Peter? And Peter says, you know what? Man, and we saw some awesome things, and you know what? They told me to be quiet. And I said, hey, hey, guys, I can't be quiet. I saw a guy that was dead. He's alive again. Our hope is in him. I can't be quiet. And they put him in jail, and they beat him and put him in jail, and they let him out the next day, and they, they haul him in for the people and say, you know what? We can put you in jail. In fact, we killed your leader, and you witnessed that. And he says, who are we going to please? Who's, who's the standard? And he says, you know what? I can't be quiet. I'm not going to be quiet. They pick him up and say, you know what? You've got to quit leading the movement. You've got to quit telling people about Christ. You're going to die if you keep this up. And he says, so be it. And you said, you know what, guys? They crucified me, but I didn't want to do it like my Savior, so I did it upside down. And that's what he's going to say. He's going to say, hey, brother, what would you do? I volunteered at the food line on Thanksgiving. Oh, so you, you weren't put in jail? You weren't beaten? I, I went one time, I got all my old clothes that I didn't like or need or want anymore, and I gave them to somebody else, and I acted like it was a big deal. Peter's probably going to say, seriously? You know what, I gave money to people that were on the mission. You know what, I was busy making money and I was busy raising my family, so we had an offering one Christmas and I gave them some money and Peter, you know what, I gave them $100. Seriously? I don't think you knew the mission. I don't think you knew the mission. Listen to me, we exist to tell people about Jesus Christ. If someone's not going to proclaim the gospel, our world's going to go to hell separated from Jesus Christ and the hope we have in Him. That is our mission. Second thing is this. The first, you have to know the mission. And the second thing is this. And that special team coach had figured it out about special teams, but it applies here as well. The second thing is this. We have to get radical about the mission. We have to be radical about the mission. See the one word here, zealous. I'm going to read the verse again. Who is there to harm you? Man, this guy's crazy. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Now, what is good is telling people about Christ. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? The word zealous means this, exhibiting active, devoted zeal. Each of those mean a bunch. Active, it's going on, devoted, your committed zeal for something. Other words for zealous, fanatical, ardent, burning Here's a good word, rabid, rabid. Peter says, if you prove to be rabid, if you prove to be on fire, if you prove to be committed to the cause and devoted to the mission, he says, you know what, who is going to harm you? That's the question he asked in his context. I want to tell you perhaps a better question to ask, and our question today is this, who is even zealous for the cause? Who's even fanatical for the cause? Do you know anybody that's just ate up with the mission to tell people about Jesus Christ? And I'll just tell you, there's a bigger question than that. Do you know anybody on fire for the gospel? Do you know anybody that's ate up with telling people about Christ? Do you know anybody that says, you know what, you're going to be persecuted? You're going to be hated? And they say, I can't stop talking about it. That's a pretty big question. But the bigger question, the real question is this. 
How could we not be? This is sickening. How could we not be? You see, in our sins we're dead, but in Jesus Christ we're alive. How do we not be zealous about that? In our sins we're condemned, headed for an eternity in hell, but in Jesus Christ we're forgiven, we're restored, and we're redeemed. How are we not zealous about that? In our sins we're without hope, but as Christians... Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. How are we not zealous about that? In the world, we have a purpose that's not going to matter. And I'll just tell you here, maybe you're misled. and you can, you can build a business and you can build an empire and you can stack up degrees and you can fill up your accounts and you're going in the same casket that the poorest guy in town's going into. You're chasing a purpose that's not going to matter. But you know what? In Christ. We have treasures laid up for us in heaven where moth is not going to eat and rust is not going to rot away and thieves aren't going to break in and destroy it. In the world, we have a purpose that doesn't matter. But you know what? In Christ, we have a commission from a risen and reigning king. Talk about your marching orders. Jesus gives us our commission. In the world, we come along and we go through life and we run on a treadmill and it ends in despair. Listen to me, listen to me. In Jesus Christ, it ends in glory with Jesus Christ and the redeemed. That's how it ends. How are we not zealous about that? How are we not zealous? I'm going to tell you this. Here's my, here's my prayer. That today, hearing the truth of God's word, knowing what we have in Jesus Christ, that God would give us, and he would give me, and he would give you a burning desire to tell people about Jesus Christ. What if we walked out of here and said, you know what, if you're too tired, if you're too hurt, if you're too messed up, if you're too distracted, you know what, it's not going to cut it. Our reward's waiting for us in heaven. God's going to empower it. What if men walked out of here and said, you know what, I exist to tell people about Jesus Christ. I have a burning, we ought to go back to Vernon like this today, a burning desire to tell people about the hope we have in Jesus Christ. What are you going to do that's any better? God, give us a burning desire to tell people the hope we have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. I want to run out of here and tear something up. We ought to go tell some people about Christ. Let's pray. During Father, we come, and I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. And let me just say, Lord, I am sorry that I'm so unimpressed with a Savior that poured his own blood out that I would be silent. And I'm sorry that I'm so impressed by the garbage and the trash of this world that I wouldn't want to stand out and I wouldn't want to offend anybody. Forgive me for that. Help us to be impressed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of our salvation. Let it well up inside of us. Yes, we work jobs, and yes, we raise kids and families. Yes, we have things to do, but underlying all of that is the mission you've given us to tell folks about Jesus Christ. I pray in coming out of this day, there's going to be witnesses for you that point to you, that tell about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Forgive us where we've been off track, but empower us to take up your mission and to be zealous for it. Well, I don't have the words. God, overcome it. I know you will. Well, I don't have the opportunities. God, provide them. I know that you will. Help us to lead people to Jesus Christ. 
We lay it at your feet. Forgive us where we've been wrong. Help us to repent and to turn. Empower us to look like you. And I pray for men in this room that would make an impact to the glory of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen.